Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. The UFC is back in our lives. We had no card last week, and it was a little bit of a bummer. My Saturday felt a little bit empty without a UFC slate on tap. And today, we are going to be back breaking down UFC fight. Now, we got Grant Dawson taking on Bobby Green. Is it the best card in the world? No, but it's a hell of a lot better than the nothing we had last week. So, looking forward to playing DFS this weekend. We're about to be breaking this down from a DFS perspective, both the DraftKings Classic Contest as well as the Rainmakers Contest. And we'll talk some bets along the way as well. All I ask from you guys is to like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, help support our free content. And we are sponsored here by DraftKings Rainmakers. If you guys have not checked out Rainmakers yet at DraftKings, here's the best way to get involved for free. If you go and check it out using the link we have below, you get a totally free NFL starters pack. You get a set of cards that is going to help you to build out a lineup for this weekend. You get an entire set of cards with all the different positions, and you get a chance to win real cash prizes with no investment on your part. Totally free. So go check that out. Go play Rainmakers and They've also got the UFC Rainmakers product that we're going to be breaking down a little bit as we go through here as well. But let's start breaking down all of the fights here, beginning with the main event. Grant Dawson taking on Bobby Green. And a little bit of a setup fight here by the UFC. We've got Grant Dawson, who is the uh, much younger fighter. Grant Dawson, 29 years old. He's going to be turning 30 at the start of next year. Bobby Green, on the other hand, uh, 37 years old. He's also somebody who's Looked to slow down a little bit to me in recent fights. I know he's coming off a win, a finish win over Tony Ferguson, but Bobby Green looked a step slow in that fight. He also looked a step slower to me in the fight against Jared Gordon, another one where, hey, Bobby Green won, but I didn't think he looked all that great in that fight. So Grant Dawson on his way up, Bobby Green on the way down. I think there's a case to be made that the line is a little bit wide in this fight just because Grant Dawson is anywhere from like a minus, let's see, the time I'm recording, minus 420 at FanDuel is the closest line, and then he's as big as a minus 520 favorite. So is that a little bit wide? Perhaps. But like, even if I say the fair line is Grant Dawson minus 300, I'm still confidently picking him to win in this spot. I think he should have a really big grappling advantage. Bobby Green historically has had good takedown defense at 74%. But with that in mind, he hasn't really fought all that many great wrestlers, right? If we look at Bobby Green's resume... Tony Ferguson, not a wrestler. Jared Gordon, not a wrestler. Drew Dober, knocked him out. Islam Mahachev, wrestler, but takes him down and immediately submits him. Hackbrass, not a wrestler. Ally Quinta, not a wrestler. Rafael Fazib, not a wrestler. Tiago Moises, does have wrestling grappling ability. He took down Bobby Green twice. You get the idea here. I, won't, I don't read too much into the takedown defense of Bobby Green just because he hasn't been in matchups where it's been conducive for him to be taken down. And when he has fought somebody like Tiago Moises, that has a little bit of ability in the wrestling and grappling game. He took Bobby Green down twice. So 
Grant Dawson is somebody who I expect to have a success wrestling against Bobby Green, success in the grappling as well. He's going to be super popular. We have him project to be the most popular fighter on the entire slate at north of 50% ownership, but I think it's warranted. I think Grant Dawson wins. I think he puts up a massive score. So even at the $9,400 price tag and all the ownership, I think Grant Dawson is worth playing. And for Rainmaker's purposes, it makes even more sense to play Grant Dawson because you don't have to worry about a salary cap in that format. Co-main event, Joe Pfeiffer taking on Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And in the main event, we have the most popular fighter on the card in Grant Dawson. In the co-main event, we have the second most popular fighter on the card in Joe Pfeiffer. He is projected for just under 50% ownership in our ownership projections. And... If we look at the matchup that he has against uh, Razak Al-Hassan, I think that what Pfeiffer should do is look to wrestle and grapple. I think he'd have a ton of success in that department. He's shown to be a capable wrestler and grappler throughout the times we've seen him. He lands 1.65 takedowns per 15 minutes. Al-Hassan only defends takedowns at a 52% clip. But now with that said, if Joe Pfeiffer chooses to stand and trade on the feet, which he might well do, I would still favor him in that department. He has a two-inch reach advantage over Al-Hassan. He is also going to be four inches taller in this matchup. So if the fight plays out on the feet, Joe Pfeiffer, I pick him to win, but he's at danger there. Al-Hassan has massive power. We've seen him knock out multiple opponents. He's a little bit aged now, so he isn't quite as durable as he used to be, and he's more unreliable compared to when he was younger and was just knocking guys dead in the first round. But still, Joe Pfeiffer, I do expect to have a striking advantage if he does choose to wrestle. That's the best path to victory for him. It's also why I think that you guys could consider he's plus 550 to win by submission. If he goes that route where he goes for takedowns, I do think he submits Al-Hassan. So I'm going to pick Joe Pfeiffer to win inside the distance and also somebody who makes sense for Rainmakers. Classic contests, 46% ownership is what we have projected for him. I might be a little bit underweight to that number. I'll take some shots on Al-Hassan just because he has the knockout power, but it's only a large field tournament play and not somebody I have very much exposure to. First underdog pick on the card coming up for me, Alex Morono against uh, Joaquin Buckley. And here's really what it comes down to for me. Buckley in this matchup to me is kind of a KO or bust type of option because there's so much more output coming from the Morono side. He lands 5.2 significant strikes per minute, whereas Buckley lands 3.76. He does absorb a little bit more strikes per minute does Morono 4.14 to 3.42 but you see the striking differential better in favor Morono than it is in Buckley so if this fight does go to the judges scorecards I think Morono is going to win based on the output difference now I'm not going to write off Buckley as a DFS option because if he wins I think he's very live for a knockout we know the kind of power he has but I think the betting line is a little bit too wide which is why I think it makes sense to take a chance on plus 150 for Alex Morono, something else to consider as well with the overall outlook of this card. There are not that many underdogs to feel great about. And Alex Morono is somebody who I think is a very live dog with a chance to win. So I'm going to pick him to win this fight outright. And also for DFS purposes, I'm going to be getting exposure to him. I also like the leverage we're getting here. Buckley's project for 31% ownership in our projections. Morono only projects for 19% ownership. So a little bit of leverage to be had by that nature by playing Alex Morono. Drew Dober against Ricky Glenn. If you guys want to pivot off of Joe Pfeiffer, Grant Dawson on the high end, I think Drew Dober makes the most sense. He's projected for mid 30% ownership, whereas we're Pfeiffer in the high 40% range. We've Grant Dawson north of 50%. And I think Drew Dober is very live for a knockout here against Ricky Glenn. We did see Drew Dober get knocked out in his last fight, which I thought was impossible. I didn't think we'd ever see 
Drew Dober get knocked out because he's shown to have such a strong chin and a big one. He's got a big coconut head, which I think really does help his durability. But we look at this matchup against Ricky Glenn, and I don't really view Glenn as being much of a knockout threat in this matchup. If we look at Glenn's recent performances, he did have a knockout win over uh, Joaquim Silva. That was a couple of years ago, but that is his only knockout win in the UFC, and he's been in the in the organization since 2016. So I don't really view Ricky Glenn as a real knockout threat. In general, Drew Dober has been extremely durable other than his last fight. And I do have pretty big concerns about the durability of Ricky Glenn. He's had to take a lot of time off due to injuries. When he came back in his last fight, he almost immediately got knocked out by Chris Josiagos, who is not the biggest power puncher in the world. So that's the path to victory for Drew Dober is, well, I should say the most likely path to victory. I think he's going to knock out Ricky Glenn and probably pretty early in the first or second round. So Drew Dober, another guy who on the high end, I think is a good target. It's tough to get up to his salary, but he's a decent pivot for lower ownership than guys like Joe Pfeiffer and Grant Dawson, and another really good target for Rainmaker's purposes as well. Alexander Hernandez against Bill Algeo. And here's, this is like the same matchup we always see Alexander Hernandez in. He is the more talented fighter, but I don't pick, I don't pick him to win. Because all of these fights that Al- I used to fall into the Alexander Hernandez trap where I would always see these betting lines or be like, oh, how is Alexander Hernandez not a bigger favorite? How is Alexander Hernandez not, not just a bigger favorite, but he'd be like an underdog in some spots as well. There'd be other times too where I would think Alexander Hernandez would be a really good DFS play. He always looks good in the first round and then just doesn't have cardio to fight past the first round. So you look at some of the fights for Hernandez. Sure, he beats Jim Miller, but Jim Miller is very aged at this point. Jim Miller is one of the oldest fighters in the UFC. Fight against Billy Quarantillo. Alexander Hernandez looks good early. Gasses in the second round, gets finished by Billy Q. First round against Hanato Moicano. Alexander Hernandez looks good early. Gasses in the second round, gets finished. Fight against Mike Breeden. Just an overmatched opponent. Mike Breeden is not UFC caliber. Hernandez gets him out of there in the first round. But still, what would have happened if that fight got to the second round? We don't know because it never got there. Tiago Moises, Hernandez looked decent in the first round. Gas is in that fight. Fights Chris Grutzmacher, another guy, super, super aged and was washed at that point, is now retired. Fights Drew Dober, same deal. Hernandez looks really good in the first round. Gas in the second, gets finished. We see the same thing happen over and over again with Hernandez. And you have a fighter here in Bill Algeo, super tough, super durable. Here's what I think happens. Alexander Hernandez wins the first round. Bill Algeo rallies back, wins the second round. It's just we've seen Bill Algeo lose early in fights, come back to win. We've seen Alexander Hernandez winning early in fights and then end up losing. So I just think this is a fight that's kind of tailor-made for the style of Bill Algeo. I'm picking to win by a second-round finish. Also, if you look at like FanDuel, they have some of those props where it's not up yet at the time I'm recording, but they very often have like picking somebody to win in a combination of rounds. We could do like second and third. I think that will be a live way to bet Bill Algeo once those lines end up coming out. And uh, also when it comes to just the output here, Bill Algeo lands 5.93 significant strikes per minute. He also lands takedowns on occasion. There's a lot of output on his side. He generally tends to be a pretty good DFS scorer and reasonably owned. Sub 30% on Bill Algeo in the mid-range when it's hard to find a lot of salary savings. I think he's a mid-range guy who makes sense in lineups. Felipe Linz against Ion Kutelaba. And uh, this is one of the highest variance fights on the card because every Kutelaba fight is insanely high variance. 
There's a reason the guy is nicknamed the Hulk. It's one of the most apt nicknames we have in the UFC. The guy fights like a berserker for, I don't even know he, he knows that there's this, it's like he's surprised every fight he's in that there's a possibility of going past a first round because this dude fights balls to the wall for the first five minutes. He either gets his opponent out of there in the first five minutes or he gasses and loses. It's not quite, I should say that Alexander Hernandez isn't quite as extreme as Kudalaba, but Kudalaba is, every single fight he's in, he either scores extremely well in a win or he loses and his opponent scores pretty well. That's typically what we see out of Kudalaba. He did have one fight that was a draw against uh, Justin, Justin Jacoby. With that said, Kudalaba landed nine takedowns in that fight, but still, you look at his fight against Tanner Bozer last time out, just bum rushes Bozer, ends up getting him out of there super quickly. Just comes out there, shoots for a takedown, heavy ground and pound, finish. Kennedy and Sechiku, Kutalaba looks good early, gasses, gets finished. Against Johnny Walker, same kind of deal. Looks good early, gasses, gets finished towards the tail end of the first round. Same deal against Ryan Spann. So whoever wins this fight is going to score really well. I don't think any Kutalaba fight should he be like any kind of significant favorite. So if I had to bet a side of this fight, I don't think Felipe Linz at like plus 120. The best available line is actually plus 126 at FanDuel. I think that's worth looking at because every Kutalaba fight is kind of a coin flip. So I'm I'm going to pick Kutalaba to win, but like this is as 50-50 as a fight gets. Play this fight in all of your lineups. It's really good fight to target. It's priced in the mid-range. As far as DFS purposes go, just based on the ownership gap, we've got Kudalaba projected for about 40% ownership. Lynn's projected for about 20% ownership. So when a fight that's in the mid-range that I expect to be 50-50, I think Lynn's for the leverage makes a little bit more sense. But this is going to be a fight played in all your lineups. Whoever wins is going to score very highly. Karolina Kovalkiewicz against Diana Belbita and... Looks to be a pretty tough weight cut for Kovalkiewicz. She made weight, but had to use the hoop of shame. So you get a little bit concerned about that, especially considering her age. But it's a matchup against Belbita, who I just don't consider a UFC caliber fighter. Belbita, if you look at her track record, she loses to Molly McCann. That's a loss that's aged poorly. She lost to Liana Jojua. That's a loss that's aged poorly. She beat Hannah Goldie, but Goldie probably isn't UFC caliber. She lost to Gloria DePaulo. DePaulo probably isn't UFC caliber. She beat Maria Oliveira. Oliveira probably isn't UFC caliber. So even though Kovalkiewicz is clearly older and on the decline, I think this is a matchup just against an opponent who she should just outclass. And uh, really wherever it takes place, we've seen Kovalkiewicz a little bit more apt to go to her wrestling. She landed two takedowns in her win against Silvana Gomez-Juarez. She didn't mess around with the takedowns against Vanessa Demopoulos because that was really the only path for Demopoulos to win was going to be in the grappling. So if we do see Kovalkiewicz attempt takedowns, I think she should land them in this matchup, and maybe that could lead for an okay DFS score. But by and large part, it's really hard to bank on that when she only lands 0.31 takedowns per 15 minutes for her career. So uh, a fight that I'm mostly off of for DFS purposes, I don't think it has very much upside. Next fight to look at is Nate Maness against Mateus Mendoza. And if you guys don't like how I pronounced his last name, blame Brendan Fitzgerald because I watched a bunch of the different fights of Mendoza in advance of recording this video. And that was how Brendan Fitzgerald said it when he fought on the Contender Series. So that's what I'm sticking with, Mateus Mendoza. And uh, I think this line is just too wide. I think Mendoza is very talented, but I think Nate Maness is fairly talented as well, even if he always, hasn't always had the desired results in the UFC. He's had brutal matchups. 
Manessa's last fight was against Tagir Ulan Bekov, and that was definitely a bad performance on his part. But before then, he fought against Umar Nurmagomedov. And I mean, it's not like we could have realistically expected him to be competitive in that fight. And before then, he beats Johnny Munoz. He beats Luke Sanders. He beats Tony Gravely. So I think Nate Maness is a little bit of an underrated fighter. And even though I think Mendoza is very talented, I just don't think we've seen enough from him that warrants him being a nearly minus 300 favorite. He is anywhere from minus 220 to minus 260 in this spot. And I just don't think it should be that wide. I think that Mendoza is pretty unproven at this point in his career. His last UFC fight was against, well, actually his UFC debut came against Javed Basharat, which is a brutal UFC debut. So he wins on the contender series, looked really good in that matchup, then gets a debut against uh, Basharat and yeah, was outclassed in that spot. So I do think that Mendoza belongs in the UFC. I think he's talented. I'm going to pick him to win, but I think Nate Maness is a very live underdog and I haven't seen enough from Mendoza to warrant him being this big of a favorite. We've seen him fight a can on the contender series. Then we saw him fight an actual UFC caliber talent, just get outclassed in that spot. So uh, I'm going to pick Mendoza to win. But as far as a slate where we're really hurting to find live underdogs, I think Maness is somebody we consider at $7,200, only projected for 19% ownership. Not a bad look, in my opinion. Moving on here, we have three fights left to talk about. And... Uh, Kind of weird fights, right? We've got uh, Murata taking on Vanessa Demopoulos. Demopoulos also came up earlier because her last fight was against Kovalkiewicz, and uh, Kovalkiewicz is also on this card. Murata has not fought in two and a half years. Her last fight came against Verna Janjidoba, and uh, that was a fight where Janjidoba won by breaking Murata's arm. So Murata was not able to continue. Doctor ends up stopping the fight in between rounds in that, and... It's just hard to know what to make of Murata, who I don't consider to be a very talented fighter. I don't think Demopoulos is all that talented either, but it's also the two-and-a-half-year layoff for Murata. Like, has she improved? What has she been doing? Demopoulos has at least been active. So Murata, her path to victory is going to be wrestling. In her one win we saw in the UFC, she landed four takedowns over Ronda Marcos, which is fairly impressive because Marcos has a wrestling background. But in the fight against Demopoulos, Murata is so reliant on wrestling to win fights, and I think Demopoulos is the better grappler. So if this fight hits the mat, could Demopoulos potentially submit Murata? I think that's within the realm of possibility. And then something else to consider, too, is if the fight is on the feet, I don't think Demopoulos is a good striker. I don't think Murata is a good striker. But Demopoulos is much more willing to strike. She lands 3.71 strikes per 15 minutes, or sorry, per minute, whereas Murata only lands 2.08. So uh, nearly double the output on the Demopoulos side, which I think will make a difference if this fight ends up going to the judges' scorecard. So kind of a dicey fight in my opinion, and I'm going to lean more towards Demopolis for DFS purposes. Once again, there are not very many live underdogs that I like for this card, and just on a, on a in a matchup where I think there's so many unknowns to it with Murata coming off the long layoff, I'm, I'm going to favor getting to Demopolis for DFS purposes, but like for Rainmakers, there's no reason to consider a fight like this one. Orochi Lang against uh, Johnny Munoz, and uh, this is a mid-range fight where I think there's some appeal to it, for me more so on the Munoz side, mostly because if you look at Munoz, he does land 1.95 takedowns per 15 minutes. We've also seen Orochi Lang at times go to 
his takedown game where he lands uh, 1.53. But of the two of them, I think Munoz is the better grappler. So I think Orochi Lang is going to want to keep this fight on the feet. I think we're going to see Munoz wanting to shoot for takedowns. And then also, I'm a little concerned about the durability of Orochi Lang because he is coming off a fight where he just got flatlined by Eamon Zahabi. And Zahabi is terrible. He's not a UFC caliber fighter, in my opinion. He doesn't do anything. He has almost no output in his fights. And he just immediately KO'd Orochi Lang, who had been pretty durable up to that point. So maybe that makes Orochi Lang a little bit hesitant. It's not a fight where I'm like super confident picking the winner. It's, I mean, it's a pick em at sports books, but I do think there's a little bit more upside, a little bit more finishing equity in the Munoz side. He's also cheaper on a slate. We're really hurting for salary savings. So no strong pick to win the fight. Nothing I'm willing to bet on, but I do think Munoz has more upside in a win. So with that in mind, he's going to be my preferred target for DFS purposes. And then even for Rainmakers, even though he isn't a big favorite, I think we consider him because he could score when and potentially submit a Rochi Lang in a win as well. Montana De La Rosa against J.J. Aldridge as the finer fight to break down here and also the opening fight on the card. I'm going to pick Montana De La Rosa to win. It's not a fight I have all that much interest in for DFS perspective, but if I had to play one of them, I would lean towards De La Rosa just because the path to victory for De La Rosa is going to be wrestling and grappling. The path to win for J.J. Aldridge is going to be a fairly mundane striking affair on the feet. Montana De La Rosa lands 1.94 takedowns per 15 minutes. J.J. Aldridge doesn't have the best takedown defense in the world, 65%. We've seen her taken down in some of her fights before. So uh, another fight in the mid-range here, we've got De La Rosa, $8,200. J.J. Aldridge, 8000 Neither of them are projected for all that much ownership. I understand why. It's not a fight I have all that much interest in. Picking De La Rosa to win, but a uh, low confidence pick and not a fight that I think we need to play in DFS this weekend. So that is going to wrap up. My breakdown of uh, we got Grant Dawson, Bobby Green in the co-main event. Is it the best fight card in the world? No, but like I said at the top, it's better than what we had when we had nothing last week. So guys, thank you very much for watching. If you have any questions for myself, let me know below in the comment section or hit me up on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. And if you haven't done yet, like, subscribe. It's all appreciated. Good luck with this slate, guys. See you back here next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.